This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, what up? It's like in China. China. Yo, 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 this is Justin Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. Thanks for clicking on our conversation with Sean Mendez. He is a gem, a son of Canada, and truly a kind and honest and genuine person. Yeah, he's really special. And so is his album, Wonder. We're about to talk all about it. We're going to go track by track and, yeah, talk music, talk life, and I'm, I'm excited. And today's conversation is sponsored by our friends over at State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal in car and home insurance. State Farm has agents ready to help you with personalized service so you can get customized insurance. And it's all backed by their award-winning, easy-to-use technology. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, and file a claim, all on the State Farm mobile app. It's a great price with even greater service. So when you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And you know who's here right now? Sean Mendez. Let's do this. Hello. Yo. Hey. What's up, guys? Oh, you know, just uh, thriving. Just thriving. How are you? Good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in Miami now, actually. So I'm, in, I'm where um, Camila's family is. So a little better than L.A. because L.A. feels like a distant place to me. Yeah, because it really – let's just jump in here. Yeah. One, thanks for the time. But two, L.A. is so not home for you. It is Miami. It is Toronto or Calgary, right? Pickering? Pickering is in Toronto, yeah. Right outside. So, like, L.A. is not even on the list of potential homes. I mean, it is because that's where a lot of people work in the music industry, but um, it isn't because I, I don't love it there. <laughs> So what is it about Miami that you like so much? I think it's just, it's just like a different, it's a different, I mean, not that I've been able to experience because of COVID, but it feels like a different culture here, you know, but also Camila and her, like her family is here. And, you know, I mean, I, I always experience, experience this with my family, but the second they get home, whatever that is or whatever feels like home they're they like open in a different way. It's like a, everyone just goes like, oh, now I can be me and I, I feel that with myself too I, I i was actually um i was just talking about i'm headed back home on the 8th of december for the first time in like what seven eight months seven months yeah seven months and uh it's like there's this excitement and anxious type of i'm going to actually camille and i are actually going to stay in my parents house and quarantine in my parents house for 14 days and we just got a puppy my parents got a dog while i was away so it's going to be like a whole like a real holiday family yeah, yeah a real holiday and it's like there's this i can't stop thinking about it it's weird like i'm working i'm doing tons of stuff but like i can't stop thinking about it it's like constantly on my, my i keep saying to camille we're going we're going to canada we're going to canada <laughs> it's super exciting for me i haven't been in so long isn't that like really well it's cool for a few different reasons one you get to share it in a very intimate way with her but also like it's like a part of something bigger this idea that 
life is more than chart success and even how many bodies you can put into an, uh, an arena. Like there's other things to look forward to, like being able to genuinely let everything kind of go away and really experience home with those you care about the most. Totally. I mean, I think, you know, I think the funny, the funny thing about life is that like when I had the ability to be able to go home and see them whenever I wanted to, I never did. And then when I couldn't, because I was not able to, because I was quarantining or work or whatever, that's all I could think about. And it was a big, it was a big kind of, okay, you know, when it came down to a situation where I was like, you know, afraid and like uncomfortable and like what's going on at the moment, all I could think about was being with my family. And it was like, um, I, I don't want to say a reality check because they've always been close to me, but it was a reminder to like, be like, you got to maybe spend a little bit more time. Cause I don't think in the last seven years, I don't think I've spent, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't know the ratio, but it's, it's pretty bizarre how much I've worked compared to being with them. So yeah, I'm super excited. You have such a cool relationship with your family. Do you consider Camila family now? Totally. Yeah. I mean, we've been like, other than I think a month where she was in London filming a, a, a movie, it's been like every day together. And that's like, that's like real. I mean, we, we were dating for not even a year or I guess a year when we started like really just like living together every single day because of the quarantine. Um, and it, it's just been great. I mean, I think you have to, in that situation, there's kind of two things happen. You either realize you're not good and right for each other, or you realize that you're so right for each other. And I'm really glad it went that way, because I don't know what we would have done. <laughs> yeah, kind I, of realizing, you know. People are either making babies or filing divorce papers right now. <laughs> there's like really no in between. Yeah, I mean, in our case, getting a, getting a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, I'm hearing in the album, so... I want to dive in because, correct me if I'm wrong, wonder is so attached to your reality, at least to a certain degree, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even when you're talking about your family and you're talking about Camila and everybody being together, that has to be a huge part of what Wonderland is to you. Yeah, I mean, mass massively. I think, you know, Camila kind of we started really dating right at the very beginning of the of the ideas of wonder and to kind of go way back i remember listening to uh are you going to be my girl by jet which is interesting because the album doesn't sound like that but the original idea was to have the album sound like that i had a song that was like bum 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 dum dum and it was like i had the whole jet feel going but what I, what I later realized is that I wasn't aiming for that sonically. I was aiming for that uh, essence of freedom and like excitement and like fearlessness. And um, I remember I was I was in Toronto. This is way before COVID or anything. It was we were, we were walking to a coffee shop, and I'm kind of explaining to her like I want to take I want to take some dance lessons. And for the guy who's like always held a guitar and always been told like don't dance, don't get dancers, don't do it. It's a bad idea. I was like, I'm not, I think I want to take some dance lessons. And she was like, so immediately she saw it. Like she just got on the frequency with me immediately. And she promised, and I, I made her promise me, don't let me forget this vision. Don't let me forget this excitement and this feeling because I mean, it's, it's very easy. I mean, I also have a, this thing where I was, I've been doing this since I was 15 and 
when you're 15 years old and a grown man says to you, no, don't do that, it's horrible. You go, oh, okay, not gonna do you that, listen. it's horrible. Yeah, you listen. Um, but then at 22, you think you, you have the strength to kind of make your own decisions, but you still have this conditioning of like, maybe maybe it is horrible. And she, anytime that kind of conflict came in internally, which was like, am I pushing myself a little? Is this weird? Is this uncomfortable? She would be like, no, the vision, stick to the vision. You got this, you got this. And I've never had that before in that sense, you know? That's really like about pushing you to ultimately be the best version of you in pretty much all aspects, right? Yeah, totally. You're somebody who, want, who likes to be the best at everything. So do you take yeah. on dancing and are you okay with being mediocre at first? Or does that no. frustrate the out of you? It frustrates the out of me, but more, even more than that, I mean, like over the last, um, I don't know, I guess I've, I've been like meditating for probably off and on really for like four years, but I really started meditating about a year and a half ago. And that's when I started reading a lot of these beautiful books about the internal world and your ego and all of that fun stuff. And that makes you makes me want to be like, okay, like I can go put myself in a situation where I go and I'm like in a dance class with really just a friend of mine, Maddie, who directed my music video. And I'm like, really cool with this guy. And, and the hardest part for me wasn't sucking at dancing the hardest part for me was having such an ego about looking funny it was like i, I was like let go and and it's funny because i remember in the class we would just burst out in laughter because he would look at me and he would look at me and i was just like stiff because i was like all i i was more upset about the fact that i couldn't let go than that i looked silly you know what i mean it took a long time to just let go and be like, look, like this is how my body moves. Like this is what I look like. I'm a tall, lanky guy. Like I, I like look funny from angles. Like if this is this is this is me. And like that was a huge um that was a huge step for me in a major major way because that was when I was like, oh yeah, this art thing doesn't have to be so boxed. It doesn't have to be so. I hate to use this word, but it doesn't have to be so mainstream, and it doesn't have to be so what people want or expect from you art is completely kind of up to you you know how do you how how do you get to that realization because like that's not something that existed you know when we first met when life was life of the party was hitting is that something that even existed in your brain when you were creating your previous album which by the way is one of my favorite albums of all time so thank far you. thank you great body work Thank you. I mean, no, absolutely wasn't. The Actually, to be honest, the opposite was in my head. The opposite was like, how do I make, well, always from day one has been, how do I make music that I love? How do I make music that's true to me? But it was, but it definitely had a, a big touch of like, how do I make music that's successful and that, you know, cuts through and, and works. And it was the worst thing for me as a creative person to live by because I was constantly judging something before I even had a chance to grow legs. It was like always trying to make something great before it could even be good. And it was something that was that took a long time for me to learn how to change. And I learned a lot of that from dancing because I realized like I had to be I had to be really and look like like weird to be okay and look okay to be good to look good to be natural to be like oh that actually looks kind of nice you know like it takes real time 
Sean, how did the dancing affect the album and the music you made? I think it was like there was this, this, I had real deep craving to make anything that I would just be like, like, just like, let, I mean, I think most, most 20 year olds are kind of going through that. Like in your twenties, you, you, you experience something along those lines, but it was like anything that I could feel freedom. And that's for some reason on the word, the, the album's not called freedom, but like, I always think of that word. It really, to me, was the, the feeling that I was chasing so much at the time. Which, by the way, like I hear that in the songs because a lot of the records have a build, right? Like they build to something. They build to this moment, whether it's a guitar or, I mean, it just builds, you know? And sometimes yeah. it builds and then it fizzles. And yeah. it, a lot, they have that ability. And I don't know that like, it, it, it's almost like each song has its own thing of like, you're revealing something and in turn, like freeing a different part of yourself. Um, and maybe so I'm crazy. No, it, you're not. It, it, it's, I mean, I think that this album, I, and I don't, I didn't, I mean, I really struggled with how I was going to say this out loud to people at first, because it, it was something that I, I was thinking about a lot, but I found at the end of the album process when I was finished that I was okay to just put the album in the garbage and no one ever to hear it because it did something extraordinary for me and it freed me from a demon that was constantly trying to judge and control my my art and control my music and control my my heart and that album was like it felt like there was like so many opportunities to either be controlled by expectation or to break through and just be art and every time i would break through it was the very first time for me and by the end of the album i felt not only like i created amazing body work but i also felt like a new person um as an artist it's like a lot of people know my art but a lot of people have never known the process for me and the process for me is like making you know like a songwriting process but it's with a lot of anxiety and fear and it was with a lot of stress it was with a lot of heartache and it was not a, I don't think for me like the best way I could have been making art and I really feel like I learned from this album regardless if it came out to the world or not how to be free from expectation and that is something that I could you know, I would just be so happy no matter what, no matter if it got one stream or not. It was just, it did the something so huge for me. You, you hear this new found like confidence and this new, I mean, dude, your records, in my opinion, were honest before. And I listened back to them very differently, even after watching your documentary. But this is like, it is a new level of honesty. Like even where you're at right now, you're in Florida. My question to you is 305. That is both a time that you are awake in the middle of the night, terrified of somebody leaving you, but that's also an area code, correct? There's like mm -hmm. a double meeting there? Yeah, it's three of, that, that's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I, Camila used to say, we, we've ha we have a super honest relationship and um, you know, if, if, if she was going through something or I'm going through something, it was never like, trying to be too strong or trying to be too tough right it was she would always just be like look i'm on a roller coaster right now i'm trying to get off of it i'm like looking for this 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 way off but i'm on a roller coaster right now and 
I would be on the same thing. And I remember like in those, in those first few months of being with her in Miami and being like, you know, I mean, I've, I've always seen to get mushy on you guys, but <laughs> I've always seen her like really done up. Like we're in New York city, we're in LA, we're like working, there's a lot going on. And like more of the time it was like a lot was going on, but now it's been a couple of weeks and I'm seeing her like in her like very natural Miami way. And I'm just, falling in love so much more than I ever thought I was gonna and the anxiety comes extreme anxiety comes with that especially for someone like me who's like no you're open you got this like it doesn't matter I mean you're gonna be fine no matter what like it's things happen for a reason yeah you can believe things happen for a reason but then when you really love someone and you feel like maybe they would leave you you don't want to believe that things happen for a reason thing anymore you know and that's kind of where that spawned from that's how you really know about like if the love is deep like when you're like when your love is stronger when somebody's like and, and like we're all at our growth like we all have gross moments you get yeah. what I'm saying? like like we're human beings with every day comes moments where we don't look our best but when, it's true but when you when you love like when your love grows for somebody after seeing somebody in those gross moments it's like oh yeah that's when it's real i mean I mean, COVID has been insanely hard and terrifying for a lot of people, um, but it's been a, a blessing for my relationship with her in a way that, like, I don't know if we would have even given ourselves if it wasn't the case, you know? Sean, I can't see you having any bad moments. <laughs> I mean, I, let me tell you, I have many, many bad <laughs> moments. Um, I think I, I think I just do my best to lean into those moments more these days though and um that's something she really really opened up in me i always tell this story like when i when we first started dating um we would like go in i, I didn't know this was a latin thing but we would go into a restaurant and she would ask for a banana and i'm the type of person who's like if my food came to the the, the table cold i wouldn't say anything i'm like i'm like get so nervous to like say anything and we're like in like a sushi place and she's like do you guys have any bananas and i remember did my body just like tensing up so much and then i would be like why do you ask for bananas like they're not gonna have bananas here this is a sushi spot and then she's like oh whatever like they do they do if they don't they don't and i it ended up teaching me like you know you just gotta be you and like accept that messiness because Honestly, like a couple months later, I was in the sushi place asking for bananas too. And it was just like, I was, I became that so much more free. And I learned that from her and she, she, she teaches me that every day. I have a tendency to like want to control and be perfect. And she has a tendency to just like love and, and, and accept. Is there a meaning behind the banana at the sushi restaurant or does she just go to sushi restaurants and she's in the mood for bananas? No, no, it's bananas everywhere. It doesn't matter. Sushi restaurants is where we were that day. I mean, it's really uh, oh. bananas with all, all food, no, no matter the food. <laughs> Potassium is always required. <laughs> always required. Piece of you, I, I think is the right transition here. It is a bop and you, you, you describe yourself as pathetic and possessive at, at one point in the song and you describe who I believe is Camila as majestic um, yeah. and, and that she is kind of almost the opposite of you. And I think it's kind of, kind of captured in that story about the banana. Perfectly captured. Perfectly, perfectly captured. I don't know. Yeah. I think I've walked around with a lot of like, Oh man, you gotta be, you gotta be this, uh, this, this picture of perfect. And, and uh, even, even before we were dating, she would always like, wherever we were, if she bumped into me, she'd be like, Hey, like, how you doing? 
and like she would say it in a way that was like oh i can't really fake it to this person i can't fake it to her she's gonna she's gonna know um yeah i really think that she walks into a room and like will disarm the whole room like nobody can put up a front anymore because she's not she's her whole thing is like what's the point like life is too short why why are we trying so hard to be anything that we're not you know hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. How are these records starting? Like, piece of you. Is that you coming in with a story? Are you, because the production to me sounds very, very different than the other records, but still cohesive, right? So it doesn't sound out of this world, but it sounds unique when put in the middle, like sandwiched between the other two records, um, which you know, it's always been you and then 305. Like, do you go in with a story or do you go in with a sound that you feel like you need and then you match? We wrote, I wrote that, that one really early in the album process. Um, that was uh, before I had time to really sit and start journaling. So I went in with like a very specific um, chord progression, which was like the, the, the half step down, kind of like it felt like an old kind of Zeppelin-y and... I was aiming for something in that world and ended up coming out with something in more of a Michael Jackson world. Um, but yeah, with that, that song is a, a lone wolf. It's an outlier of the album, regardless of how or when I wrote it, it's an outlier. And I, I always think about this, it's the outlier that had to be on the album though, because even as I was listening back and listening through, we had an album and that song wasn't on it. We ended up going back, I ended up listening back to the demo of that being like, we gotta, this has to come on in. So I always think that one's a lone wolf. It almost looks like it, it's almost like meant to be on the next album, but it's on this one. Was that done with Scott Harris and the, the typical team? Was this whole album done by just the same group of individuals? Yeah, I mean, m- m- most of them, I, uh, Scott Harris, um, Kid Harpoon, Nate Mercero, um, and then Frank Dukes helped on a, on, a, on a couple of the records. But the interesting thing about uh, Frank was that I've been, I wrote the song Monster and the song Song for No One three years ago with Frank and Scott. And so those were completely not a part of this album process, not even a part of my psyche at the moment. But they ended up, Song for No One in particular, ended up becoming the pillar for the entire sonic soundscape of the album. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, that big, uh, that thing at the end of Song for No One when, when everything opens up and the drums go, yeah. so it that was like, that's where Wonder got the inspiration from. And that was also Nate Mercero, who ended up working on the entire album with me, that's him playing all that, all those instruments. So some sort of crazy like world of like connections where I just, and then I went and had lunch one day with uh, Kid Harpoon and I played him a demo and we went back to his house after and just started jamming and came out with uh, Look Up at the Stars. And it was like, I was like, whoa, this is very special and different. And I've never made anything like this. I really want you to be a part of this process. Mm-hmm. 
And it was pretty cool, man. We were up in Big Sur and had like a real family vibe up there. First of all, you just casually mentioned that he played every instrument on the record. Just like just like a total casual, like whatever. First of he- all, Nate Mercero is the most talented player I've ever met in my life. And he's like a secret weapon. And I really am sincerely in belief that one day I'm going to text him and his number won't be in his fo- in my phone and I'm going to ask someone for his number and they'll be like, who's Nate Mercero? And I'm like, Nate, who did the whole album? And yeah. they're just going to be like, no, I don't know who you're talking about. And he's just going to be gone from existence because he's just like this musical god fairy who came in to help make the album and disappear into another galaxy. But, but you really are the company you keep, right? So you have great company in your personal life. You have stellar company in your professional life. For somebody who wants to be the best at everything that they do, and for somebody who at one point was working and playing seven hours a day at guitar until your fingers bled, like, it must be pretty awesome to be with stellar individuals everywhere you look who can help you achieve new heights and really kind of like make your dreams tangible. Make your dreams tangible as a, as a musician and an artist, but also as a human being. Like, um, you, I, I believe that you are the sum of, you are a lot of the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's like, it, I have amazing people around me all the time. And I don't know if it's a mixture of like luck and timing and balance or maybe good karma on my behalf, but like, every single situation I've been in has been about love more than it's been about anything else. And so I think that's why the music feels that way. And I actually believe that's why there's been a lot of success is because there's been a lot of love involved in it, you know? Song for No One is the song that set the sonic landscape for the entire album. I literally had the question, why did it need to be on the album? Because essentially you're saying like, this is a song for nobody, but a song for nobody ended up essentially laying out the road the whole thing totally the interesting thing is like that song the day we wrote it i was like this is nothing we we have nothing here and i went in and i sang in the booth and i just kind of sang the whole song top to bottom and the third verse i've just freestyled in the booth i was like i don't know this is just like why are we recording this and then frank dukes worked with nate mercero and they created the demo which ended up becoming the original vocal and it became the, the North Star. It's just really funny how that works sometimes with music. Sean, in the lyrics, it almost sounds like the song is actually for someone. You talk about waking up to a bunch of missed texts and calls, but oh, it's not yeah. the person we're looking song, for. Yeah, the song is about Camila. This, the, uh, but uh, I guess it was a love song for, for no one. This is a song for nobody because it was kind of, I think three years ago, I was like living on my own in Toronto and you know, kind of really had these feelings for Camila that I wasn't willing to accept or admit. And that was, there's a real loneliness in the vocal because that's one, that's the moment of, and I sang it and it stayed on the record. And so, yeah. Why didn't you want to accept those feelings? Why would you, like, did you feel undeserving? Why do you fight that? I don't know. I think there's, I think there was a part of me that like believed that like I wanted her, like a lot of people, you know what the thing I think I'm really learning about in life is you don't have to believe what everybody says and you are totally capable of making your own decisions and deciding how you feel about things. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, like for a long time, I 
really was susceptible to everyone's opinion on my life and my feelings and my and the way that I did things. And I ended up believing that I wanted her because I couldn't have her. And that was a ridiculous thing to believe when I knew that I had real feelings for her. And that held me on for two and a half years. I was believing that silly story that a friend told me. Um, and so I think more than ever, especially this year, I'm, I'm kind of just like, you know, take people's advice with a grain of salt. Like it doesn't have to be your, your guiding light all the time. Your guiding light really is inside of you, you know? But like, again, like that realization only comes from age and tripping and falling and comes with that. Yeah. Speaking of tripping and falling uh, monster. So you finish the song and then do you give it to Justin to add a verse to, or do you have what he's going to do already done? We wrote monster like the same couple of weeks we wrote song for no one three years ago. And I wrote it with Daniel Caesar and Mustafa the poet and Frank Dukes. And it was really about how society puts celebrities up on a pedestal. Then three years goes by and I'm like, just for some reason in touch with Justin after a long time, we've known each other, but we're never really close. And we're just, I'm like, yo, like, and we're talking, like we just hop on a FaceTime call and we end up speaking on FaceTime for like three, three, three hours. And this was probably only, this was during the quarantine. Oh, wow. And yeah. And uh, then we end up like speaking more and more every single day. And I'm like, hey, I have this song. I think it's really special. I think I want to have it on the album. And he listened to it and completely understood it and then sent back the thing. And I'm really a firm believer for, you know, I mean, I could say like since I was 15, I, I would have wanted to do a song with Justin Bieber. He was one of my, my biggest inspirations as a kid. And it really does happen when it's supposed to happen if you let that be the case. And waiting until this moment where we had something that's a really kind of so deeply meaningful feels so much better. And our friendship is so strong at the moment because of it. And I, I don't know if that would have happened a couple of years ago. Totally. And, and also, like, y'all have matured in a very interesting way. Like, you've progressed. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Like, both of us have grown a lot. And he has said some of the most inspiring things to me that I think you can hear from people, but when you hear from another artist who's been doing the same thing as you for a few years longer than you, it resonates that much deeper. And he's really coming from music at a place that's like, do this because it moves people, do this because it, it changes people's lives. And I knew, I know that, but like to have someone constantly reassuring that to me was super empower, empowering during this process for me and him. But, uh, the interesting thing about Monster is that I started to realize that social media was making everybody a celebrity. Like 50 years ago, or even like, I don't know, even like 20 years ago, only celebrities knew what it was like to take a photo and then be like, oh, I hope a lot of people like this. I hope a lot of people think this is good. I hope people don't think I look weird. Like. It feels like every single person now, if you have Instagram or Twitter, is suffering with that same thing. And it's like this crazy pedestal that everybody is putting each other up on and everybody's tearing each other down from. And it's, it's not even real life. I mean, 
being a celebrity is like the highlight reel of art like all those all music videos and everything you see of a celebrity is a highlight reel it's like the instagram before instagram was created was was celebrity content yeah and then instagram got created and it became the the highlight reel of everyone's life lives and i not everybody a lot of people are very honest and genuine on it but even then there's a tinge of a uh, highlight reel and it's hard i i know as like a 22 year old with like three therapists and i've read all of the self-help books and i meditate and i take time and i go on walks and i do everything in my power to not be controlled by what other people think about me if i spend five minutes on instagram i'm looking at how many likes my last photo had do you try to avoid social media as much as possible or you still find yourself on it a lot i do i definitely do i i set limits for myself big time um and it also depends on like what you're looking at on social media because social media isn't a bad thing it just there's some things on it that hurt you know um but i can't imagine for instance like 15 year old me social media was there but it wasn't as like relevant as it was as it is now 15 year old me having to deal with the pressures of like for instance i have a 17 year old sister and she has 1.1 million followers on instagram That's by the way she is the smartest coolest and most sweet girl in the whole world like she's so strong that it amazes me every day but I can't imagine what that pressure feels like for her. And she doesn't have all of the therapists that I, I pay and have every day. You know what I mean? It's, Did it's she ask big, for any of it? No, I mean, she didn't ask for anything, yeah. any of it, but, but, but she's just one of uh, so many 17 year olds who have tons and tons of followers and are basing a lot of the, the things that they think are great in their life off of social media. So, I mean, it's it's tough. It's a tough world. And I, I really was just trying to make a point with that song, which was like, everyone's got to, first of all, realize that as humans, we're really messy and we fall and we mess up and we say the wrong things. And we're literally doing every single thing in our power to be good. And we still mess up. And the pressure that everyone's putting on each other to not is silly and wrong and not helpful. And that was kind of it. And I was hoping that if that was coming from Justin and I, people would maybe it would go further, you know, but I, I don't know. Oh, it resonates. Yeah. Do you think your videos would have gained the same traction today if you were releasing them and making them than that they did like, uh, like yeah. all those years ago? Because there's, there's like an, like to your point of like, and I talk about this with my own friends and like, there's such a glossiness to social media that it's like so glossy that it's fake and it's plastic. But there was this beautiful charm to videos like ones that you were producing of people just setting up in their bedroom, looking into the camera and just giving it their all, you know, like there was no effects. There was nothing big. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything insane. It was just wholesome, real content. And it was based on, you know, the quality of somebody's voice and their interpretation of a song. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I I don't know if I would have been even tech savvy enough to figure out how to use TikTok at, at this today. Like, there's so many effects and stuff you can put on those videos. I probably would have just posted the same thing. But I think, I think true talent always shines through, regardless of the way it's being processed. It'll always kind of shine through and and be there. But um, yeah, social media is a tricky one for me. It's a very tricky one. 
you mentioned true talent, and I'm not saying other people on social media aren't talented, but do you think because of your talent is the reason you were able to take your career from Vine into selling out arenas? Um, I think I think that that was my goal. I, I really think that people underestimate their own power of goal setting and manifestation of the life that they want to have and they want to live and the person that they want to be. And these days, my goals are a lot more in to be, you know, be happy, be kind, be a, a loving boyfriend and son and friend. And, and that's a lot of my goal setting. But back then, a lot of my goal setting was sell out the Rogers Center, play my first arena tour, like go da 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 da. And I wrote it in a book and it was in my in that journal. Yeah, but I it's different now. It's it's formed into something new and but those visions sit in your mind and you dream about them and it comes into fruition. And it, there's a lot of power in that. So I think talent has a lot to do with it. I think timing has a lot to do with it. I think sheer desire and want to be successful and to do something great had a lot to do with it. Look up at the stars. You mentioned having angels all around you. I feel like yeah. that there is a connection point there, you know? I, I, do you, do you gen, genuinely believe that? Is that positive energy? Is that just... You know? I, I wrote that song to the fans. And, you know, I think for a few, for a long time, whether or not, I don't know if they felt this way, but like I felt disconnected from the music industry and, and kind of in my own bubble with just them. And we were just like doing our thing. And I always felt that the the best thing I ever I think I ever did with the fans I love the shows everything but I would do Q and A's every day and there would be like 150 people in the Q and A and it would be like these really in depth conversations and the people that were coming to the shows were people that I would go and see at a and a like in terms of what they wanted to talk about and and the girls and the questions they had and the things we that we would talk about were so inspiring to me and so honest and so much love and I really felt on stage like invincible because I knew nobody was there to judge. Everyone was there to love and, and to just have fun. And I never said that to them and I never really made that clear. Um, and I guess I am now for the first time. And in that song, really kind of just being so thankful for having them around me this whole time. Um, I take for granted the fact that people allow me to grow and to just experience life you know so that song is is a is a dedication to them what do i say in the second verse i go uh finally we met now the lights are set it's taken us till now to be together in this town a couple a couple of years we've we've been making plans somehow you always seem to understand so let's get lost in wonderland tonight um it's kind of like me having to have these shows and then cancel these shows because of whatever and have a show in this country and cancel the show. And three years later, I finally make it and they still show up. You, by the way, the build to that guitar just hits the core. It is. Talented name, Restaurant. Bravo. You know, you mentioned canceling shows and I give you, I watched your documentary and you're <clears throat> crying. The fans are crying. I'm crying. You have, <laughs> My longtime friend, Eric Vitro, on FaceTime. You have the famous Dr. Nassarian on phone. <laughs> I mean, I, I give you a lot of credit for showcasing, you know, I know these people because I have friends who do this. And like when Eric was talking about 
you know, somebody pushing themselves at a show and then having to get, I know that person. Yeah. There's many people. I know like two of them. It, yeah. it is like so real. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I mean, the utmost respect to you for showcasing that because and, that is painful. Yeah. It's, it's also, I think I, I um, mean, I'm doing it right now, but I always feel the need to explain why it's so emotional and there shouldn't need to be an explanation because yeah but i really think like a lot of singers would agree a lot of artists would would agree that like for instance like my voice is like is my spirit that's my soul that's my craft that's my my love that's my success that's my well-being like my voice is such a deep-rooted part of me and has been since such a young age that when I lose it, it feels like I'm losing a real part of my spirit. And that's what felt like was happening in those moments. And you don't, you can never understand what it feels like to stand in front of 60,000 people who are excited to be there until you've done it. And you can't understand what it feels like to cancel and upset 60,000 people until you've done it. And it was just a lot of stress and it was a lot of pressure and i saw footage of the girls outside after the show crying and it was just like it was one of those things too is like i haven't been to brazil for three years i've never i don't think i ever was in sao paulo ever at that city so the i come for the first time i've been doing this for six years at this point and they've been waiting i play the first show it goes great the second show i wake up and this is people's first time ever coming to see me and i cancel it's not their fault at all and I wanted to say it was my fault, but it, 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 it wasn't. I was doing everything in my power. But I really appreciate you saying that because I think people's art and whatever it is that creates that art is part of their spirit and their soul. And when they lose it, it hurts, you know? And that's the truth. Sean, is it? I'm, not, I'm sure you would love to tour, but is it someone relieving knowing you can put an album out? You're not forced to tour right now, or you don't have to tour, and you can kind of save your voice and make sure it's healthy for the in future? In the same breath, this album sounds like it was built for tour yeah exactly yeah um it was built it was completely built for tour and i think that's the that's the um that's the addict in me i mean i i i love tour with all my heart and and those moments are hard but there's like 99.99 percent of those moments are good and there's a small percent of them that are like that it's just that one got caught on camera you know did you want to tell your videographer in those moments like my face like this is so personal i don't want a camera on me you actually no i made a deal with him that that's the last thing we were going to do because i didn't want this to be a film that was a highlight reel um and i can be a real asshole when i'm upset and i think i don't necessarily want to hurt people's feelings but like i get so torn up by the fact that i do things that by the fact I got so torn up by the fact that I lost my voice that I that I, I can see in my eyes like oh man that guy's kind of like and you don't want to show that side of you nobody wants to show the side of them who who gets frustrated and can be like you know a jerk or can be crying mm-hmm. or vulnerable but, but like when you show that side is when you break through and people are like oh that's me like that's like my whole thing is it my whole thing moving forward is if this is not going to be just me and every part of it, there's there's no point to me anymore because it's like I I really believe that I always try to put myself in the shoes of a of a 13 year old in Pickering in Ontario and what he would be doing if he was listening to this interview, and I could be sitting here just like 
uh, spilling the highlight reel of everything, or I could be giving the truth and the honesty and hopefully it's anything that I've learned. And that gives them such a bigger and a clearer way to move forward instead of, you know, unreal expectations. Dude, there's a human in the pop star and you could like, is there, there's no want for you to have two personas, you know, like it's just one. It's just one. I mean, I definitely think you can't take the guy who's on stage back to the hotel room because you'll be so exhausted. <laughs> that guy on stage thrive, like is, is built off of the energy. But the thing that really helped me is I made it, I, I would, I would be under the stage every night and I would, I would say to myself, look, like you do this because you love to sing. You do this because you love music. Like do not get on that stage expecting or needing cheers and applause to be able to do this. And that really ended up changing the whole thing for me because before I walked on the stage, I was already satisfied with the performance. And then at that point I was able to just be as me as possible. Um, and this is coming by the way, not from someone who's perfect at that stuff. Like I am, I obviously thrive off of people giving me applause or praise and I thrive off of streams and I thrive off of success. I think the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm constantly trying to teach myself that that doesn't have to be the reason why. Sean, speaking of live performances, teach me how to love. I would love to see that one live. That song is so fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that I was listening to a lot of Marvin Gaye at the time. And, you know, that was one of those things where I was with Nate Mercereau and I started singing like a guitar line and he just started playing the thing I was singing on guitar. And that's what the bridge is made out of. You arrange the background vocalists, or I guess they're vocalists, like because they, they're kind of there with you. I don't know yeah. what you would call them. I mean, is that exciting for you to kind of have music literally in your hands and at your very direction? And if you tell a sister to sing whatever, she will. If you tell, like, I mean, it's up to you. You are the conductor. Totally. I mean, I think it's like, well, I, I mean, my rule is to always be the least talented musician in the room when making music. And therefore you can get, you're going to get something that's spectacular and, and above your abilities. And I don't mean that as like a way of like uh, putting myself down at all. I mean, I think I'm really great at conducting and creating something that will end up being amazing, but I can play guitar. Great. Yeah. I can, I can sing great. Yeah. But can I do it the best? Maybe not all the time. And when you have professional singers and professional guitar players and instrumentalists come into the room and you're the one who gets to decide, it's like someone giving you the, the, the God hack on Grand Theft Auto. And it's like the coolest moment. In the, I mean, you in the documentary, you probably see my face light up and I'm like, these guys are just going to sing that. Like the thing that I tell them to sing. I mean, I was really cool for me. I'm still not used to that stuff, but that's a really amazing part about making an album, you know? And you get to learn the process and you become a better musician after, afterwards. It's totally it's cool. Um, yeah. There's also something about mentioning fruit in a song. Like not only is that song really good, don't you mention strawberries in there? I just like anytime you mention fruit in a song, it's automatically better. Uh, got, it takes a long time to, to get to a place where you can mention fruit in a song. <laughs> draw a map, lace in strawberry. Um, but my, my favorite line is your body is like an ocean. I am devoted to ex, uh, exploring you. That yeah. 
we were getting very we were getting very um metaphorical that day i I guess i could only imagine what happened the night before or leading up to you even wanting to create a record like this i mean you obviously have to have a revelation in your life or learn something new or a value hoda i mean i think it's like at the same time I, i know that i keep coming back to the revelation being freedom from expectation and when you have freedom from expectation i think that's when you create your best work and when i say your best work i really do mean objectively what you think is your best work and in for me this album i love so much i mean i love all my music but this album to me is damn dude like i listen back and i'm like oh wonder i still listen to it today and i'm like i love this production i love the way everything sits like i'm just really proud of it i, I really am well, we were talking about, you know, having the, the group, the, is it, would you consider that a choir? Is that a choir, the, the group of people? Uh, sure. 24 hours, they, it's in that, at the end of that song too, and that song's great. That song is beautiful. That was the first song we wrote for the album process. But that's like, you, I mean, um, that's the, that is the honeymoon phase in a song. <laughs> Just like completely all in the second it started. Okay, so you write that after Song for No One, right? That sets the sonic tone. Yeah. And 24 hours, did you end up signing the check or where are we at? We still don't have a house. No, we've been looking for a house for months now, but we no, we haven't. We, we've, uh, I have a condo back in um, Toronto and she has her house here and one in LA. So we haven't signed the check together, but... I, we're living together at this point. Is it cool to live your life in songs like this? Because it, it, it kind of feels like a diary almost. Like you're, you're existing and then it makes its way to a journal and then it makes its way to a song. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like, it's, it's only the best stuff makes it to the song. You got the journal is full of all, of all of it. But like my every single morning coffee doesn't make it to the song sometimes. <laughs> but there's a space in your journal talking about your morning coffee. Oh yeah, I journals. I mean, there's I'm 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 constantly writing it. And that's something that's new for me. I only started this year. Um but it's like been such a life-changing thing for me. Using a journal for more than manifestation. Yeah, I mean, I probably manifestation is probably the smallest part of my journal, but like I mean, I stopped I I don't I still manifest big goals, but more so I manifest the day of what the day is going to be and you know, I will write a lot of things that I'm grateful for in a journal, but then I also will write like, today I did this, today I was like, this was easy. Today when I spoke to Zach, I was completely me. It was effortless and it was it was fun. Like I just, I decide that in the morning before I even do it. Um, and it really, that really helps my day. Cool. Sean, the, the morning strolls with the coffee have almost become a thing where people are expecting yeah. the next sighting of Sean Mendez with his coffee cup. It's this one paparazzi who's always on the street. And this morning he got so mad at me because like this morning, sometimes like, sometimes like, okay, I get it. You're just, you're making a living. Like you're a paparazzi. It's cool. But then sometimes you're like, I just want to go on a walk to have a conversation with Camila, like about yeah. life. I'm like a little stressed. I'm like, we just, and then he's taking photos of us. So every time he, he pulls around the corner, I'm like, I turn around and then he pulls around the other corner. I turn around. So he keeps getting these shots of my back. <laughs> So finally, he stops and rolls on his window. He's like, I'm just trying to make a living, Sean. And I'm like, dude. 
I don't know, dude. I don't like it. I don't like it when it gets to that point where it's like there's a there's a name there, there's like a name like you know each other to a point where he's just like just give me a look so I can take a picture, make a living, and leave. I don't know. Um, why this? Um, why can't I think of his name right now? Um, it's okay. Daniel Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> did. Uh, did you do you know what he did? That he like was doing a movie and he wore the exact same outfit every single day on his way to the shoot and like every same same hat same everything so, so it's the same photo yeah. <laughs> that's genius and clearly that's somebody who's like done this for a long time yeah. how to play it totally well done um call my friends I'm, I'm gonna transition into this record because let's go from the opposite of paparazzi to some sort of normalcy um weird to leave. I mean, is the same Sean we're getting today, the same Sean that turns his back to the paparazzi. Is that the same Sean that goes and hangs out with his friends in Pickering and goes to get high? <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I would say there's probably like a few differences, but um, more or less, I, I, I like to think that I, I am like, even right now, I like to think that I'm being who I am. Um, but there's always a constant, thought or threat of the fact that this is going to live forever on the internet so maybe that's always pressuring me to to like just turn the knob up by 15 percent of awareness of what's going on that my friends don't get if anything my friends get the knob down 15 percent. so i'm even more sloppy than i am on a normal day <laughs> that's good yeah that's the best i just want to know about bc bud i'm a big fan of uh bc bud is famous i've smoked uh some British oh, Columbia bud, dude. Oh, from British Columbia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, Canadians Canada, are very proud of it. Canadian, and they should be. It's it's like it's it's so much more moist there. California is all dry. Dude, it's like on an island or something, right? Like that's they, they grow. I I've heard stories. They grow it there on an island. I don't know how they do it. I just pictured it was the Canadian love. Do you feel like you missed a lot being away from home? that you would have experienced if you were a normal kid just growing up in Canada? Like, do you miss the, the bars and the birthday parties and the graduations and the college parties? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a question for you, though. Like, if, if you could, like, this is something that I, I struggle with. And it's like, if you, if I said, yeah, I miss all that, would you immediately think, or maybe not because you you do this, but like, would you immediately think, yeah, he missed all that stuff, but then he gets to travel the world and do all this amazing stuff. And like, you know, it's, it's not that bad. Like that would pop into your head. No. Yeah. 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 I mean the normal person. Yes. And me at one point in my life. Yes. Yeah. It took a lot. Like, dude, it took me getting to understand and know people who are in your position and do what you do and to really understand everybody's a human being, you know? And like, yeah, this not is always by design. So, yeah, I mean, the, the thing, I think the thing about it is there is this real concept of the grass is always greener. And I remember being four, th 14 and dying to get out of Pickering and being doing anything I could in my power to travel the world. And, yeah. I, and I know moments where I've been around across the world wanting, I would literally spend all my money to, to just walk through a teleportation device and just be in Pickering for a night. And it's a funny thing that 
always gets brought up because I think it's an interesting question to ask celebrities and and artists, especially because we're all constantly away from home. So the answer is, yeah, I feel like I missed out on a lot of that always comes back and haunts me a little bit, especially when I go home and I feel like I'm not in the conversation. But on the back end of that, I've also experienced some of the most amazing things that have made me who I am today, who I really, I really like this guy. And I'm not, not in like a, a cocky way. I really am proud of who I'm becoming as a person. And I know that that's because of my experiences that shaped me to be this way. So it's a loaded question for me because I never want to sound like I'm, I don't want the people to be like, oh, he just wants to go home to his friends because it has been my choice all along. And it's just grass is greener and no point in looking back because it's brought me here. And I am really happy to be here. So, I mean, that was a lot of answering for that simple question, but <laughs> It's really, it's such a, it's such a, I mean, in the past, I would always just go like, yeah, I really miss home. Like I miss this and this and this, but it's not that simple. Well, that's it. It's not, it's not necessarily a simple question. And everybody takes different paths in life. It's about who you choose to carry with you as you walk down that path. And you've done an amazing job at keeping those closest to you still close. Yeah. And also where you decide to go next, like just because you've done something doesn't mean that that's what you do. And I think like, I realized that especially this year was like moving forward. I want to spend so much more time with my friends and family that they're sick of me and (laughs) they can't wait to get me up. Not the opposite, which is like, I, I never see them. So I don't know if like when I go home and I'm with my mom and dad, I spend an extra five seconds just watching them around the kitchen being like, damn, like they're cool. Or like my friend and I like spend an extra five seconds just like walking around his bedroom, like picking up things that I like. And I'm 22. Like usually at 22, you you, you do that at like 50 maybe when you go back to your family home and you're like, oh, reminiscing. And I'm reminiscing at 22 and being like, I got to be present with these people. Look, I love these people. When I'm across the world, I miss these people with all of my heart. And I never would have got that if I wasn't away from them. So I really am I'm thankful for that because I know going home for Christmas, I am going to have this real thing of just like sitting there in the kitchen, surrounded by my family. And my, I might be appreciating it 10% more than if I, if I didn't travel the world, if that makes sense, you know? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You're going to look at them and, and just gaze at them. Totally. Marinate in their presence. Yeah, I mean, it was so funny because I was on the phone with my best friend from home. His name's Brian, and I haven't seen him. Like, we, I've known each, we've known each other since we're eight, and I haven't been away from him for longer than a month since then. And it's been nine months since I've seen him. How, and that that is really – I know Brian because Brian's always yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, – it was just such a funny conversation because I was like, it's going to be weird to see you in human flesh, <laughs> like, like blood in your body and you're going to be breathing and you're going to look all human and stuff. And it's going to be gross <laughs> because we've gotten so used to seeing each other on like FaceTime. You don't realize how weird that is when you don't see someone for a long time and then you see them in person, you're like kind of scared for a second by their humanness. <laughs> When you do finally get to go home and see your friends, is it going to be weird? Like, do you kind of forget that you're Sean Mendez at that point? Or do you kind of think like, okay, I have to kind of be careful of where I go and what I do because I still am who I am? Um, I mean, I can't do anything anyways because the country is in lockdown, which is, which is, a, which, so it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, 
if I'm at home with my family and friends, I, they, I don't care. I mean, I've known them since I was eight and they could really care less about the Sean Mendes stuff. I mean, I'll probably get asked a couple questions, but other than that, it's going to be present moment shenanigans. Can't imagine is that, that like, it doesn't start the album. It's a couple records in. Are you singing to an individual person or are you singing to a group of people? Because if like, are you singing to music? It could be anything. It could be everything. And it should be everything. It should be anything and everything that gives you a feeling of safety. And, you know, I, uh, I, I think I like to preach to myself that like, Hey, you know, if I don't end up with Camila, it's okay. I'll be fine. Like, you know, we'll be okay. Like we're human. We got this, but there's always this big fear, which is like, you know, I woke up this morning and I'm in Camila's house and her family's there and around. And I'm like, I have this second family now. And I'm not only writing in my journal, I'm thankful for my, my family, but I have another family, like a whole second family. And all of these people love me and would do anything for me. And I, realize like that is the most incredible thing in the world and that's what that song is about is like really like just like i can't imagine what it would be like to not have that you know whether it's one person it's it's your passion for your art or everyone in your life you know I, it, was that song written and recorded in one take because i love how at the end you just say like cool that's good for now and then that kind of ends it well that was that's not actually uh, a wrote song that was literally me I, I like had the guitar chords and I had a couple lyrics and then I was like in the studio singing it to show Scott and Nate and Tom my idea, but they just happened to be recording it. I was trying to get the guitar part down and I was trying to figure out maybe what I wanted it to be. And then after we listened back to it and we were like, this is just it, you know, cause at some point, at some point I go, uh, without you, uh, uh, start this song without you. I'm like trying to write the song as it's going along, and and at the end I go, yeah, that that's good for now. But that was at the beginning of the process, and now it's at the end of the album, and it's kind of just like to put art in a little thing like that's good for now. See you again next time. It's perfect. Yeah. Would that have ever that would have never made it on to an album in in the past. No, definitely not. And it's also a lot about like freedom and in the moment of like realizing that sometimes like that might even be the best song on the album. Who knows? Like just because it was the the one that had the least thought, you know, it's it's not up to me to decide that. Your vocals, do you set, I mean, we talk about not setting ex- expectations and letting freedom and just existing kind of lead the way. But I feel like your vocals you challenged yourself. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all about the freedom and letting life happen and just being free. But work your ass off if you want to be good at something. Like, no matter what, that is the rule. If you want to be great at singing, you want to be great at guitar, you want to be a great athlete, anything you want to be great at, you've got to work your ass off and you have to be dedicated and disciplined. And with singing, it's like my number one enemy and my my biggest lover, you know, like I can't seem to figure out my relationship with it, but I'm obsessed with practicing and getting better. Um, so yeah, the freedom thing is don't get me wrong, but to be to make things that are special, it takes a lot of work. You, you consider your voice a muscle and guitar was something that 
didn't come easy? Did any of this come easy? Like any of it? I mean, it just depends on who you ask. I think like if you asked a lot of people around me, they would say all of it came came easy. But if you asked a lot of people who were maybe a closer circle in, like my parents and your people, sister, who thought you sucked at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, I mean, to be honest with you, it's like he it's a nightmare for him. He the amount of vocal lessons he's like broke down in tears and and just like lost his mind for days about like. No, it hasn't been easy. And that's the, that's nothing in life I think is easy. I don't know one artist who has said their career is easy. I just don't think it exists. Do you want a career that's not easy? Like no, you- everyone, we would just be bored. If it was easy, we'd be searching for something that was difficult. We're human. Your dad was the one who pushed you to write a song. You were doing covers and you came to him and he said, and he literally said, go write a song. And totally. Yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. That is something that I will always remember as being the most important moment of my career. Um, Because I think a lot of kids will say, I want to be a songwriter and their parents will say, no, that's stupid. And I think a lot of kids will tell somebody in their life that they want to do something and uh, like be anything like an actor, anything crazy, an astronaut, whatever. And their parents will say, I don't know. And that moment might have the effect of a lifetime on that kid. And that moment of my dad will being like, oh, no hesitation. Go write a song if you're a songwriter. Like, it was never like a question of whether I was or not. It was in my hands at that moment. Um, and I'll never forget that, you know. It's, re- it's super important. And that push essentially started you down a path that set you apart from anybody else making covers. Right? Like, yeah. few of them can consider themselves a songwriter. Sure. I mean, and I think, you know, that's why it was important in the documentary. I say, you know, the story I tell the girl at the Q&A, she's like, I want to be a songwriter like you. you know what I do? I said, go write a song. Like, just start. Like, go do do the thing and do it against all odds and do it against everybody saying you shouldn't do it because it's what you love to do. And I, I say this also for every any kid listening or anybody of any age listening debating whether or not they want to follow something that they love that people think they shouldn't do it because you will always 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 think about it and regret it if you don't and it's just like a beautiful thing is passion and excitement and love for something so you know life's short to like not be chasing that stuff do you remember the first song you wrote i wrote a song called my time uh, and it was, it was really funny. I've always been a pretty, like, I guess, uh, uh, I, I can't find the word. I've always been very ambitious. <laughs> and the, the song was like, this is my time. And I'm going to literally the lyric was, it's my time and I'll figure it out. <laughs> you did. I figured it out. I mean, to an extent. Yeah. We all continue to figure out, figure it out each and every day. Cause totally. I mean, this is like the, this is the the beauty of life. And I think for me, what I've started to learn more lately is that I can not only be experiencing it, but then I can kind of just like share it and and hope that it maybe shines light on other people's ways of seeing life, you know? Sean, when you're growing up doing these covers and you're covering these songs from these artists that are performing in stadiums and they're your idols and you're like, wow, that's incredible. Now that you're in that position, do you feel like one of them? Um, I don't know what they feel like. 
because I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm not them, and and I know them. I mean, I'm friends with them. I'm friends with 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 Mayer and Ed and and a lot of those people and Justin and those people whose songs I was covering. And I think the thing about it is that you end up realizing is that like all those people are just like Brian and my sister, and they're just there's people, and that's what you you obviously learned, Zach, is like. So for me, do I feel like? do I feel like I'm like that like idol that I was looking to I don't know I get no no I guess because they're always they'll always be a mythical creature to me you know mm-hmm. you like no matter what John John Mayer says he'll always be a mythical creature to me <laughs> <laughs> is it hard to accept that he is just a human being too not at all if anything that's that's the the the, the moment when I had a conversation with John where he he showed the first signs of being human form was the best day of my life <laughs> it's refreshing and reassuring of course it is. Okay. We've covered a lot here. Wonder is the album. I, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to listen to it because you have put forth a body of work here that, in my opinion, is totally different than anything else you put out. You talk about upping the bar with everything that you do. How have you upped the bar with Wonder compared to your self-titled album and everything else you put out? I think I upped the bar by lowering the bar. <laughs> Seriously. Amen. I really think that's how I upped the bar. I think I made the best album of my life by putting way less pressure on myself, by accepting the fact that this album is going to be exactly what it's going to be. And I'm going to love it. And that, in my opinion, made the best music I've made. So that, that's really the truth. You see yourself as an athlete in your prime. Yeah. what is i mean but it is true you know um, yeah like you, you can't tour the way you tour 30 years from today it just Definitely. not no i mean you could maybe your band yeah. or i have no idea um or what your dna is but like 30 years <laughs> is gonna be a lot harder on your body totally what, what is do you have an end date for when doing 180 shows in a year is not <laughs> going to be a thing I didn't even know. I, I don't even know if I have a start date for doing 180 shows. What'd you do? What'd you do? Like 100? I did 100, 106 or something, 105. That's pretty good. A lot of shows, yeah. That's I mean, a lot of shows. I think I'm just going to keep going with the whole thing of balance and real and chasing happiness and figuring out and deciding what it is that makes me happy. So I don't know, it it might not be 180 shows, it might be 100 and and always spending more time with my family. So who knows, I I am putting zero boundaries on what my career could be. Maybe I'll I'll be interviewing you in in, uh, a year, who knows? Like, I just don't, I just don't know anymore. So I'm not trying to figure that out as much. Sean, you and Camila obviously have gotten so close. Do you guys ever talk about like your future or anything? Because it seems like you're closer than ever now. You're like her family is your family. She's yeah. going to spend time in like Toronto. Yeah, I mean, all the time. I think I think uh, the way I see it is if it's like not like a long term for everything, then I, I mean, I'm I'm just always thinking that way. So yeah, it, it, it's like a real partner it's like a partner in crime you have someone to bounce any ideas off of and the hardest ideas which is the the life ones and um yeah we all we always talk about that stuff you've learned a lot from her right yeah. is there something i mean 
do you look at her in a professional sense too and learn from her in a workspace or is it really just personal growth? But I know that you are very much affect, like they're one and the same. Yeah, they're super similar. I think, you know, the thing that I feel from her is this, I mean, everyone is, I mean, her and I are so similar in a lot of ways, but also extremely different in a lot of ways. And she, like I said before, she has this amazing ability to just accept and I, I've been preaching it this whole call. It's like, I, oh, I'm just accepting, I'm just accepting. Like, whatever comes, whatever happens, happens. I'm not trying to figure it out. But the truth is, is that it's hard and it's like a constant battle. And I'm never happy with the results when it's happening. And she is so good at accepting people and accepting things as, as they are. Um, so I'll always learn that from her. We just got a puppy and she's like, for some reason, like, I guess it's just like instinct. She's like so good at taking care of the puppy. And I'm like getting, I'm like, Tarzan, listen to me. And she like knows how to like speak puppy language. And it's like, that's also really inspiring. <laughs> you, and we're going to wrap it up here in a second, but I, I, I beg, I'm telling you, it's better for your soul. Like you'll, you'll walk away <laughs> a better person if you listen to this album. I, I promise you that. Uh, I I mentioned that your last album is one of my favorite bodies of work of all time. Uh, there's a lot of nods to love in that album. When You're Ready is a song that I listen to all the time. And I started listening to differently after there was that dramatic moment of you in the SUV and you're like, every song's about her. <laughs> and like, I mean, and like, you know, I listen to it differently. In that song, you go to your parents and you, you say that your parents said that she's the one. Do you believe that? Do they believe that? My dad, my dad has, has, uh, he, he's, he's hilarious. Like my dad, I mean, my dad is never very serious about things, but he would always just bug me and be like, how's my daughter-in-law doing? Um, he, I think obviously your parents don't know, but when you know, you know, but I definitely went to them a lot about it. <laughs> Dude, I feel like when you know, you know, and then your parents know that you know. And exactly. It's like, that's, the, that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty well, cool. my very last question is about the hair. Your hair is phenomenal. It Thanks. looks incredible. Was this planned or was this a quarantine thing? How long are you going to let go for? Um, I don't know how. I mean, I'm in Miami, so it, it's, uh, it's actually longer than it looks because it's it's uh, all curled up. I never knew, even knew I had curly hair until I grew it out. Um, <laughs> I swear, but I always wanted to grow my hair, but never did because anytime I was in the awkward phase, I had to do Jimmy Fallon or something and <laughs> I'd have to cut, cut my hair, but quarantine let me grow it. So who knows, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going until my, some, I'm pretty much gonna go until Camila's like, all right, we gotta trim this up. What about facial hair? Can you do facial hair? I can. I, I can. You see that? Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I can grow something here and there. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I think I have to at least spend a couple days on the Amazon River on my own before I can earn a goatee. Please uh, listen to Wonder. Phenomenal body work. Uh, you've you've said it all. We've talked about a whole lot here this evening. Totally. We've covered every record on the album and. That makes me happy because I'm going to play every song on the radio. So it's going to play all across the country. And I'm assuming it's going to be on my station in Toronto. You're not there. You're in Miami. But I'll be there. But people I love are there. So that's, that's what matters. Better than you. People yeah. you love are present. Um, dude, I can't thank you enough for uh, really sitting down and talking to us and really talking through this album. And you have incredible 
collaborators that need to be recognized. Uh, so thank you for doing that as well. And yeah. is there a story you want, like, like that you feel like you've told with this album top to bottom? Is there a story? No, I think it's a complete mismatch of information and conscious thoughts and love and, and all of that. But I, I really don't know if I'll ever have a album that's just a story top to bottom because it's always a reflection of my life at the moment. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, man, thank you. I really appreciate you. I mean, since I was like 16, we've been talking and I always was like, saw on the schedule, Zach is when I get to go and be myself in an interview. No longer, I told, like I said, I'm gonna, this is the the me thing, but I always thought that with you. Um, so that means the world to me. So thanks, dude. Well, I appreciate you very much. And I thank you for saying that, dude. And uh, yeah, I remember, uh, I will remember that first day that we met, you were really young. It was life of the parties, like was at the beginning stages and I, I, I will never forget y'all were running and you were sweating. You and Andrew because <laughs> yeah. had chased you. And you it was you were chased from Times Square and you came all the way uptown. You were in a van. And uh I, I will forever remember that moment. And that was like I mean very close. July third July third, two thousand fourteen is when we uploaded our first video with you, I believe. Holy wow. Two thousand what? Fourteen. Oh my god. How old yep. are you, 22 now? So 14 was, I don't know, math. How many years ago is that? From 20. That's five, right? Wow. Yes. Uh, our ca 15, our caption was Sean Mendez stops by to talk about his new single, Life of the Party, how he got started on Vine, and what he has planned for the future. Weird. Was it this one? Congratulations on everything you got going on right now. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I watched a lot this. of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Recap it for me real quick. Ah, uh, so the single just came out a few days ago. The EP's coming out <laughs> yeah. in, in a few weeks. Going okay. on tour this summer with Austin Mahone fans. That's huge. Like, that's, that's so young Canadian. Uh, the, the EP, uh, the single just came out a few days ago. Uh, the EP's coming out. I'm going on tour with Austin Mahone and the Vamps. And, uh, <laughs> like, can't They're even... so cool. They're good dudes. Oh, yeah. Very good dudes. Label mates. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow, now label mates. Yeah. I mean, you, you're signed to Island. Yeah. We're going to North Republic. Right. Uh, I'm <laughs> vomit everywhere. I hate myself. Uh, you were phenomenal. I no, dude. You imagine were, I was shaking my boot. I was like really so nervous. Imagine though telling that Sean what where he was going to be now, what he was going to accomplish in the next six seven years. Dude, this is a long interview. This is like 15 minutes. I wonder what we talked about. Um, I don't want to <laughs> go back and late night viewing. I might have that. I might do that tonight. <laughs> that is not the interview. Um, hey, I really do appreciate this very, very much. And uh, yeah, you are an incredible human being and a great artist. And I, it just, it's cool. It's just cool to watch real genuine human beings succeed with real talent who, like you, you instilled a lot of stuff in me. But one of the things from our last, we talked on the phone the last time around Wonder when it came out, you know, genius doesn't come every day. Genius is not consistent and that's okay. And, and, and I, uh, you know, for a long time, and I think a lot of people, they put pressure on themselves to always come through, to always perform, to always succeed. And like, that is taxing. But the truth is like, you know, again, like you said, like genius is not a daily thing. And not a choice all the time. Yes. You yeah, can't man. yourself up over it either. I get it. Uh, I uh, well. really appreciate that very much. I think I've thought back on that conversation a lot. Um, over the last couple months, and it's really helped me. So, uh, yeah, thank you for instilling that one.
Of course. Uh, uh, tell Camila hello if she's there. And her mom, who is the sweetest, kindest person. And uh, her dad. Appreciate Bye, you everybody. guys. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. See ya. Peace. Okay. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.